Welcome to the Scottish Watches podcast. This is an international edition because we have many people from many different places across the globe meeting up on Zoom to bring you an educational, informational background history on one of my favourite watch brands. And I bought a watch from this company, not directly from this company, but I bought a watch of this company a couple of years ago there on eBay. And it's one of my little favourites. It's one of my best timekeepers as well, even though it was super inexpensive. But today on the line, we have got some experts, including the person that runs the company. That company is Raketa from Russia, and we have a complete squad in the room today. We have got Dave Sharp. How are we doing, Dave? It is always suns out, Ricky. How are you? I am doing well. We also have Pietro from the Limited Edition, who is the UK head honcho, I suppose, for Ricketta. He's the guy that's sort of pushing forward, bringing this brand to the land. Uh, we've already done a couple of videos that will be out shortly on the Scottish Watches YouTube channel, but he's the person that's orchestrated and organised this meeting today. How are you doing, Pietro? Very well. Nice to see you all, gentlemen. And how is the weather down south today? Oh, it's glorious and shiny for a change. And uh, yeah, the so there are not so many reasons to complain apart from life. Apart from <laughs> life. Lockdown life. Hashtag. Lockdown life. Excellent. And we also have on the line with us, David from Raketa Watches. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Whereabouts are you based? Where are you, what city are you in just now? So I'm, I'm now in Moscow, um, um, right in the center. I'm literally five minutes away from the Kremlin, which I can see through the window. Oh, really? Yep. Cool. Ah, nice one. Excellent. And uh, that accent doesn't sound exactly 100% Russian. No, it's not. It's, I, I've moved to Russia 17 years ago. Uh, so... Um, uh, my father's English, my mother's French. A bit of a mixture. Excellent. Well, uh, as we normally do on the show, we're going to do a customary wristwatch check. And uh, as I say, it's a full house, but we're going to start with yourself. So if you want to tell us what you're wearing on the wrist. So I'm wearing today a Raketa avant-garde watch. It's a watch that uh, celebrates Russian avant-garde um, art, which, you know, is a very famous artistic movement, which started at the beginning of the 20th century, uh, when basically the... the they destroyed all of the classic rules of art to create like a new artistic movement based on abstract shapes floating around. Um, and so we have this watch, which is which I love absolutely. The hour hand is a red triangle. The minute hand is a circle. And um, just it's a watch that lifts your spirits. And I just love the avant-garde. It's a beautiful watch. We will find out more about that watch shortly, but we're going to put you on ice for a second. We're going to ask Pietro, what have you got on the rest today? I was wearing up to uh, two hours ago a Konstantin Chaikin, which I am not ashamed of because I know there is mutual respect between uh, Chaikin and uh, Raketa. Absolutely. And <laughs> so, uh, but for the occasion, I'm sporting a Russian Time by Raketa, which is a watch I love because uh, being bold enough to show the time counterclockwise, I think it's a great metaphor to be able to explain what Raketa is all about. Right. Okay. For people that don't understand what you've just said, and I want to say thank you for making that brief, because usually when you start talking about Russian watches, we have to pry away from the microphone. You're that passionate about it, but we're going to get to that shortly as well. The watch <laughs> you're talking about, I believe it runs in reverse as in anti-clockwise round the dial, and the numbers are in reverse order round the dial, which is really disconcerting the first time you see it. You think something's wrong with the watch, it's been super magnetised or something. Correct, correct. But then, uh, of course, as we will discuss later on, there is a very important law of nature that makes that actually more logical 
chronological than the way we normally uh, read the time. So there's a lot to find out about. Good, good. And David, what have you got? Earl David. Earl David. Earl David. Earl David. (laughs) Slightly worrying. Shall we call him Floatlight? Uh, (laughs) We Dave. We we Davey. Um, Today I am wearing... A raquetta as well, because I have to be part of the club, don't I? So I have a raquetta uh, Big Zero on, which is the modern interpretation of Big Zero, which uh, again has a story about where the name comes from and why there's a zero in replace of the 12 on the dial. But again, that's another story we can come to at some point. Quite new to me, mm. this uh, cracking looking watch. I'm really pleased with it. I've been wearing it quite a lot over the last couple of weeks since I uh, acquired it via uh pietro so yeah that's one for me and uh i suppose we should keep it on a roll ricky um what, what are you wearing this is why you have replaced rick you because know, I actually know what i'm doing properly. <laughs> you know what you're doing yeah well again i mentioned earlier i picked up a raketo copernic about two years ago and it was from an ebay seller and he listed it as new old stock And we never believe that when we see it. But when the watch arrived, either it was new old stock or it had been lovingly restored. And it was only about £120. The reason I liked it, I had seen some of them online, not as in good condition as the one I picked up. But the one that I got was, as I say, almost perfect. And the way that the the dial is displayed, the hands are replaced with rings and spheres. Just something about it appealed to me. And as I mentioned earlier, it's the one of the most accurate watches I've got, even though it's from the 1980s. It runs within a second a day. Manual wind, etc., but runs within a second a day. And then I had the opportunity at the end of the year there to get the new version of it from Pietro. He had sent one up for us to play around with that unfortunately I had to go back. But I managed to pick up one of the new Copernics. And I've said this before, it's got the best anti-reflective coating of any watch I have ever seen. When you have this on the desk, it looks as if it doesn't actually have have a sapphire on it that is how good it is there's loads of pictures on our instagram and there'll be loads more coming soon so yep i'm joining the crew today as well and i am wearing this little guy here but we'll find out more about that later on in the show too so i think we'll start with pietro and we will ask you why are you such a champion of raquetta why have you decided to bring them into the uk if anything thanks for the question uh, ricky if anything i feel a, a bit um, ashamed uh, and a bit sorry for myself for bringing raquetta about so late because actually i met david in moscow a long time ago when uh, david was uh, very much involved with uh, the relaunch of the company and uh, of another name which is the imperial petrov factory which is actually um, another uh, very important trademark, Russian trademark that we, we may mention later on. But anyway, I knew there was something uh, amazing coming up. And to be fair, I can uh, I can uh, I recognize in Raketa exactly the spirit of what we are trying to carry out with the limited edition in terms of our mission to try to uh, discover the pleasure of the alternative, of the underground, yeah. of the unknown in the world of watchmaking. So the affinity has always been there. Historically, is just how happened you know for whatever reason but we are uh, we are very passionate uh, on the fact that Raketa offers millions of stories that we'll be able, able to discuss today and they are all fun and very interesting and very educational but at the same time the thing that is amazing is the value that Raketa is able to propose at mm-hmm. the price point they are, they are at which made made it for a for a for a logical choice for us yeah i mean you are one of the 
I don't know, the, the instigators of the movement towards Russian watches, not just here in the UK, but across the world. I know you deal with lots of people internationally and it may have started with Constantine Jakin, but there are other people. There are some watches you've sent to me from makers that I've never heard of. And then obviously Raketa that I had a good look through the website, had a good look through the Instagram page and the factory tours that are organised, the, the background, the showrooms, all that stuff. It really sets your mind ablaze because unfortunately when we think of Russia, we don't think of that kind of stuff. We still think back to the bad old days because that's the kind of stereotypical image we get from the media, films, etc, etc. And that is definitely not the case. But it's, it's so true. And, you know, I get fairly bored, if I can say that, in, uh, you know, hours and hours of discussion panels about how thick the bezel of, uh, of the next Submariner is going to be or, um, you know, details of the stories that we all know very well when there are these very powerful stories out there that nobody knows. So I take no credit for the story itself. But Raketa is one of the oldest company in the world and certainly the, the oldest Russian company. And they're making in-house manufactured watches for a fraction of the cost that you would think an in-house manufactured watch would cost. And nobody knows about it. So I, I, I felt upset about it and <laughs> I felt it like, you know, I feel it like a mission to give light and obviously... At the limited edition, it becomes our market and our specialization mm -hmm. to bring this story out and show how commercial they can be if they are promoted in the right way. Totally. Right, David. You, not my David, the other David this time. You're in the hot seat now. And the first question I've got for you is, what is with your name? My name? Uh, it's a Scottish name. My uh, Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. My grandfather is Scottish. Uh, so I, I never met him because unfortunately he, he passed away uh, so um, what is your full name? Let the listeners know. Uh, David Henderson Stewart. That is one of the most Scottish names we've ever had on the yeah, show. Yeah, I know it is. And my grandfather <laughs> was very much Scottish. And my father always told me, you know, um, he was raised part of his life in Scotland. So unfortunately, I was raised in England. So I didn't. I never went to, I mean, I did go to Scotland, but I never lived there really. I'd love to go there more often. But, you know, I'm in Russia now, so um, it's, it's, it's far away. But uh, I'd love to come and visit you one day. Good, good. So tell us a, the, the brief history, because I suppose with a company that's been going for hundreds of years, this could take a long time. But give us the, the running history of Raketa, you know, where it came from, how it's progressed through the, the years, well, decades, centuries to now. It's really interesting history. So the, the, the manufacturer itself was, um, was, was founded by the Emperor Peter the Great in 1721. But the brand Raketa was founded in 1961 when the first man flew into space. It was such a groundbreaking um, event that the Soviets felt the need to create a brand in honor of, um, of that, of, of Gaga the name of the cosmonaut was Gagarin, of Gagarin's mm -hmm. uh, flight into space. And Raketa means a space rocket. So literally they created the brand in honor of the first manned space flight. So that's, um, and you know, uh, I like to say that, you know, you can uh, criticize or not the history of the Soviet Union, but if there's one objectively, uh, objective positive event, which is recognized as positive by everyone in the world, is the first manned space flight by Gagarin. So, and Raketa's brand is in... In, in the watch world, we, we tend to forget that, <laughs> David, actually... <laughs> Yeah. Because there is a yeah there is another brand that is more uh, affiliated with the discovery of space. Of course, we love to we love to dig out uh, that that story a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
And every time I, I explain that, I'm surprised how few people in the West, I mean, many people in the West have never heard of Gagarin. The Gagarin is mm. a big figure in Russia. It's basically, I mean, cosmos space for Russians is, is part of their DNA. It's, it's very important. It's part, it's part of their lives, basically. So basically, they created the brand in honor of Gagarin's flight. And it, it quickly became a very big brand. Uh, the manufacturer, you know, produced more than, you know, 8 million mechanical watches every year in, in, in the big time, you know, in 70s, the 80s. Uh, it was a very big manufacturer with more than 5,000 uh, watchmakers and specialists, and they produced basically, you know, Soviet manufacturers were totally vertically integrated. So they produced even their own machines to produce the components. Right. Um, unfortunately, you know, the Soviet Union at some point, um, well, c- collapsed. So most of the industries also collapsed. And what you should know is that the Soviet Union had a lot of watch manufa- uh, watch factories. Uh, there were quite a lot of brands. Some of them are quite famous amongst collectors worldwide. And the end of the 80s, 90s were very difficult times for for that part of the industry. And uh, most of these factories disappeared. Right. And the first time I visited Raketa was in 2010, I believe. And there were just 20 very old people working in terrible conditions. And, um, and, you know, had we not taken it over, it would have, I think, just disappeared um, within a time period of six months. Wow, right. And so what's your background then? Well, I have nothing to do with watches. I, 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 I was, um, I'm a lawyer. I was a lawyer in an American law firm. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Russia. I worked for, you know, a big industrial group in Russia. The KGB? <laughs> Not exactly. No, it was, it was a private company. Yeah. Okay. He, can't, he can't mention the name. No, I can, but he, he won't tell you anything. The company doesn't exist anymore. But basically, I fell in love with that country. It's a beautiful country, very nice people. I mean, Pietro can uh, confirm that, I think. Um, Absolutely. Very, Absolutely. very nice people. And um, I thought, you know, if I want to stay in Russia, I don't want to work anywhere in one of these big industrial groups. It's, it was quite boring. And I thought I should do something that, you know, it's, is, is interesting. And I was always surprised that Russia, with such an interesting culture, such a fantastic history, didn't have any brands. You know, we all know about Gazprom, Aeroflot, Kalashnikov, but there were no luxury high-end brands. And I thought, hey, Russia, you know, Russia should have, you know, brands like that because usually, you know, high-end brands are based on traditions, legacy, culture, history. Russia mm-hmm. has all of that. Um, like France, for example, you know, everyone knows about yeah. Hermès, Dior, Louis Vuitton. Russia yeah. has all of that, but doesn't have any brands, which is... Ex- it's hard when you are always the bad guy in all the American films too. <laughs> to get yeah, well, that. you know, it's, it's explainable because Russia has this very chaotic history, uh, which was very destructive of brands. You know, we all know about Fabergé. Fabergé, is, yeah. he, had to run, he had to run away from Russia during the revolution. All right. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, interestingly as well, I think, you know, uh, Russian history... Before the revolution, there was a lot of luxury and a lot of luxury brands based out of Russia, you know, pre the Russian revolution. And obviously that period from the revolution through to the kind of dissolution of the Soviet Union was the period where things maybe went dark to the Western world. But we have to remember there were still what 150 million people lived in, in Soviet Union through that period. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge market there, albeit maybe not for luxury goods, but the skill set and the demand surely must still be there. Yeah. And the first manufacturer, from what I know, was um, was bought by the service from uh, from an American company. So uh, they shipped over all the machines from America, from the U.S., including the watchmakers. And in the 30s, they opened the very first 
Russian, I mean, Soviet watch factory in Moscow. So all, all the know-how came from the US. Yeah, yeah, because obviously we're talking about a history, a 300 years history, David, but it's, uh, in, I mean, it's important to understand that, of course, 300 years ago, uh, Raketa, or what is the factory now that we can associate with Raketa, was not making watches. It was this, The story is a bit more complex than that. So the watch production came later on. Yeah, exactly. So what did the company do beforehand? Because obviously people think of Nintendo as making computer games, but they started hundreds of years ago making playing cards. No, it, it, it was a lapidary company. Basically, it made um, stone objects out of you know, precious and semi-precious stones. So I'll make the story super short. Basically, they made some incredible objects for the emperors, you know, objects that you can still find in Buckingham Palace, for example. And when the revolution came, the demand for these very high-end, you know, um, um, uh, precious stone objects disappeared. And the, uh, um, the, the last thing they did was the mausoleum of Lenin, which is now in the Red Square. And then, then they didn't have any any orders for for, for high-end objects, and they decided to make uh, precision stones for the Soviet watch industry. Because, as you know, in every mechanical watch, you have ruby stones. Yeah. So they started making ruby stones for the Soviet watch industry, and then they made mechanical movements, and then they made a brand uh, watches under a brand called Pobieda, which means Victory 1945 in honor of the Victory. And then Raketa in 61. So basically the link between the Emperor Peter the Great and us today are stones. This stone cutting factory became a watchmaking factory through stones. And today I'm still wearing on my wrist 24 ruby stones. Excellent. Where can, you, where can you find? Yeah, where can you find a brand making their own rubies today? <laughs> it's, uh, it's um, Rolex, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. Yeah. So your background then was in law. You came across here. How did you manage to take some? I mean, did you have a background in watches? Were you a fan, or did you just love when you found this company, the history, and you wanted to take that forward and not let it diminish? I had no background in watches, to tell you the truth. I, I knew absolutely nothing about watches. I had, um, I, I was more looking for a brand. You see, it's a, it's a miracle that I discovered the Raketa. I could have discovered the brand in any other sector. I just by pure coincidence, I discovered the watch a watch brand. So I visited the manufacturer in, in 2010, I believe, and I just fell in love w- with what I saw because I quickly discovered that they had iconic uh, designs that were, um, you know, uh, collectors throughout the world um, collected, like the Copernicus watch, the Big Zero watch you, you mentioned. I also saw that they saved all of the technical process. They produced their own mechanical watches and in particular the mechanical movement. And I quickly understood that that was very unique because when I came to Switzerland the first time, I said, hey, you know, I um, there's this watch manufacturer that still makes its own mechanical movements. Everyone said, no way, it's impossible. And people didn't take me seriously. So I quickly understood that that was very, very unique. And also, I saw the passion. I saw the passion in in all of these very old specialists and watchmakers who basically continued working based on on their enthusiasm because they were not paid anymore. And um, what do you mean? These people are real. Well, um, I, I don't know how they paid. The, the 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 company was really dying. I mean, no one was buying Rus- Russian watches anymore. That sounds like the story a little bit of Vostok that the factory workers at certain points were actually paid in watches that they then had to sell to try and cover. Exactly. That that's I believe that's how they did it. And um, but yeah. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. It's like a diamond, you know, you find diamond on the floor and you just you pick it up. You have to polish it and clean it up. Mm-hmm. 
but it's all diamonds. And that's exactly the impression I had when I first saw this, this factory. So all the knowledge, all the knowledge, all the skills were barely transmitted to you by studying the, the, the history and the archives of the brand, as well as uh, transmitted by those 20 people that you found still working in the brand. And uh, that allowed you to have, a, to have a, a frame on top of which you could, you could rebuild the brand. So that was the situation. Yeah. I mean, I knew nothing about watches. I mean, literally nothing. And I remember one of the workers having to explain to me the difference between a quartz movement and a mechanical movement. I had absolutely no idea what was a quartz movement. I was very naive. I mean, but, 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 that's, but that's a beautiful thing because had I known anything about watchmaking, I would never have started it. Because... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right, okay. Before buying the company, I had to do some kind of audit. And the technical audit basically consisted of, you know, I picked up a watch, I did TikTok, and I, and I saw the hands moving on the dial, and I thought, wow, this is amazing, it works. I just have to do a bit of you know, uh, redesigning, marketing, and... And and that's it. I so mean, the naivety played a part in yeah, keeping things moving forward. Exactly, exactly. I mean, had I and I quickly realized that it was much more complicated than that. Uh, that we had to and, and and we ended up spending a lot of energy, time, and efforts in modernizing the factory, um, hiring young people. Um, we opened our own watchmaking school. I mean, basically, we started from scratch, basically. But the core, the core of the know-how was was, and we still keep all of these. Um, very old specialists because these are just Brilliant. amazing people and up to now yeah. today they, they they still you know transmit all of their know-how to, to the younger generations that was the biggest challenge so it was almost a story of the rotten apple so you, you had a rotten apple but you saved a seed out of it and out of that seed you've kind of regrown you know into a exactly. new apple tree yeah you know you can yeah, always that's... buy machines if you have a lot of money you can buy machines you can buy a building etc but the know-how if you don't have it you can't buy it because you know, as you know, as well as I do, um, it's, it's very, very, very complicated to make mechanical watches, extremely complicated. That also brings on to that because, you know, to, to the fact that you still make your own movements in-house, you know, that obviously you had that knowledge still there, but it would have been, you know, easy and potentially sensible to, to, to say, okay, like, let's just get rid of that and buy in movements, whether they were Swiss or Japanese and, and do it that way. But no, you didn't. You, you still decided to go down the road of using those in-house movements, which probably was part naivety, but, you know, that now gives you possibly one of your biggest unique selling points mm -hmm. over just an another watch made somewhere in the world with a ETA movement or a, a Seiko movement in it, for example, you know, you have something at a price point that is materially different and, and, and has a whole story to it, which I think is potentially unique. Yeah. At some point, I, 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 when, I, when I understood that things would be much, much more complicated than I imagined, at some point, I remember thinking of shutting down the, fa the, the factory and buying everything from, you know, like everyone else abroad. Yeah. But then uh, I, I didn't like that idea because uh, I, I, what I did understand was that the factory was, uh, was the soul of the project. It gave us the credibility to write on the, on, on the dial made in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, it would have been fake. And I, I didn't like that. And uh, that was not the reason why I, 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 I resigned from my previous job and I started Rakiata. Um, I wanted to do something I would be proud of. And uh, I also, you know, um, wanted to 
I mean, it's, it's like a mission, you know. I, I kind of understood that Russia had this amazing history in watchmaking and we had to save it. And um, But then then at some point we said, you know, maybe we don't have to do everything. Maybe we could just outsource uh, some components. And I quickly understood that buying components in Switzerland would be terribly expensive. Uh, and then, I mean, as regards the mechanical movement, we ended up continuing to produce every single component in-house, including you know, the most complicated components like the hairspring, for example. You do your own hairsprings? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And the funny thing is, you know, it's not so complicated. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not difficult at all. Every time we have, every time, every time we have Swiss Swiss specialists coming over to the factory, they say, "Wow, it's amazing! You do your own hairspring." And our people say, "You know, why are they always surprised by the hairspring? Why? Why do they always consider that the hairspring is more complicated than making a screw or a plate or a bridge or, or any other component? Because it's not." Yeah, but that's the Russian way. Because we've heard that the bullshit story about NASA spent a, a billion dollars creating a pen that would work in space and the Russians used a pencil which is obviously fake but it's a it's a good analogy <laughs> and another one is the Russians again probably Vostok instead of creating all this technology to make a watch waterproof they used the pressure of the water to make the watch waterproof and their design was so simple that it just works and that's the way that the Russians think of stuff one of my favourite YouTube channels is one called Garage 54 and it's these crazy Russian guys that take cars and do stupid things with them the latest video they put five flywheels on a car just to see what would happen and it's that moving forward and just doing what they think is best yeah. and it works um, and it's obviously worked brilliantly for you guys and I was having a chat with Adrian from Bark and Jack a few days ago and we were talking about the Swiss watch industry and how they love to hype things up and say this is the, the most difficult thing ever to make and we're talking about turbions but turbions are very easy to make versus a chronograph. Mm. They were making turbions hundreds of years ago in sheds and farms but it's the whole prestige and the luxury aspect of it. They want you to believe that everything is so so difficult and then you guys just wander in and go nope easy peasy. Uh, the most difficult part about the hairspring is to have the raw material. Now uh, that that's because uh, 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 we, we use like a secret alloy, which um, which is very secret. Th that's the most difficult part. But if you have the raw material, and we have a lot of raw material, uh, the rest is you just have to follow the technical process. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think it's time we decide to chat about some of the releases because I've had my hands on quite a number of them because Pietro sent them up to record videos. And I wish I had more time with each of them because they all are unique. It's not like looking at a Rolex that looks like a Rolex or an Omega that looks like an Omega. They've all got their own characteristics and little quirks that make them different. So do you want to give us a run through of, we'll start with probably the Big Zero and then we'll go for the Backwards Watch and then the Copernic. So the Big Zero, tell us about that. The Big Zero is is one of the most iconic Raketa watches. And basically, I think it's the, um, it's the most famous Soviet watch designed that's... Um, that conquered the West in the Soviet times. Mm -hmm. And it became very famous when in 84, Gorbachev was at uh, a, um, an international forum in Italy. And the journalist asked him, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, can you explain to us what the, the Paris Breaker means? And he got confused in his explanations. And he just showed his wrist. He was wearing a big zero watch with a zero instead of a 12. And he said, listen, look, this is the Russian people have, look at my watch, the Russian people have decided to start everything from zero, which is what Perestroika means. And the next day it made the headlines of all the newspapers. And, and since then, Raketa watches have always had a big a zero at the top of the dial instead of a 12. And, and that, it, it seems like a very simple design thing, but, um, 
uh, and one day I asked, you know, one of our very old specialists, you know, uh, where does that design come from? And he said, it's just logical. You know, you don't count from 12. You don't count 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You count 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Time always starts at 0. So it's just very, very logical. And that very much corresponds to the Russian mentality that they do very simple, practical, logical things. So why put a twelve when you when time starts with zero? So I, I good th- point. But that's a very um, that's the most iconic Raketo watch, and this is like for us the Big Zero watch is a classic watch. So th- that's basically the watch of our classic collection, the Big Zero. Well, it's one that the guys, a uh, couple of our friends over at Two Broke Watch Snobs, they talk about that watch a lot. They're massive Russian watch enthusiasts, and I had planned a couple of years ago to go on a trip to Chernobyl before uh-huh. the TV show came out because I've always had an interest in it, a bit of a morbid fascination, I suppose. But I was going to come across and do the tour and then the TV show happened and suddenly all the tours were booked up and the prices went through the roof. Then COVID happened, but I was going to take one of their watches across to take it to Chernobyl and then return it back to them. Uh, and it, the Big Zero is the one they always chat about because it's so iconic. And Pietro, you've you've had a good chat about it as well with me. It's one of your favourites. Uh, do you know that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just interrupting since you're talking about... Um, uh, this nuclear power station. Uh, do you know that the most um, uh, uh, the most rare Soviet watch is a Raketo watch with a Geiger counter on it? So basically, oh, right. you have two kind of two two a second dial that indicates the level of radioactivity. And uh, we have one model of that watch, and we're planning to do re-edition of that watch. I hope, hopefully. Uh, next year and if we do press tour then we will definitely invite you to a test the watch at uh, Chernobyl oh really yeah I'm in in. I don't have any more hair to lose anyway there's that there's that TV series it's called uh, Black Black Tourists or something like that it's a because uh, it could be an interesting an interesting one. Well, David, uh, our David, I'm going to have to call him our David from now on. Our David was telling me about a TV show that was on just a, a week ago there, which I watched a little bit of. And again, it got my interest going because the guy went through the exclusion zone up to the reactor and whatnot. And I thought, yeah, that's that's something I want to do. It's, it was at the scariest, da- most dangerous place on the planet. So might as well try that out at some point. So I take it you don't get your loom from Chernobyl then? No, no, no. <laughs> No, okay. No, no, no. Cool. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, so that's the big zero. And what is, there is the... There is one thing, Ricky. Maybe we can uh, we can ask David because I know confidentially that something is happening on the big zero. Yeah, I was going to ask this. Yeah, okay. So do I not know this? <laughs> okay. So I, I, actually, I, I was going to say my I think my favourite big zero is the older style, you know, white dial with the, the very obvious black kind of... Um, cake slice triangles for the markers and uh-huh. uh yeah I, I i heard i may have heard a little rumor as well um that um hopefully that might be seeing the light of day again yeah absolutely um we're working on the re- a, a, a redesign of that watch uh i don't know when it will come out uh but uh we are planning to come back to the core design of the big zero um and that will be a fantastic watch and this is a very symbolic watch for raketa because this is this is the most famous Raketa design, the, just a very simple, classic Big Zero. Uh, so we are working on that at the moment. That, that that will be exciting for me. I mean, that design, I think, is so iconic and it's such a clean design as well um, that, you know, that very much could be a piece that really gets the kind of attention of a lot of people um, in terms of a, a, a piece because it's such a great looking watch. One of the things that I uh, what, that I find the most frustrating in watchmaking is that um, how slowly things move. 
And um, at the beginning, I, you know, I tried to push the factory to 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 to, to work, you know, to 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 produce a bit quicker. And every time that was a disaster because I quickly understood that um, you can't be in a hurry when you make watches. So um, yeah, I come from a background, you know, where you know where things you know go very quickly, and I've had to learn how to um, be patient. And it, it still frustrates me today that uh, in watchmaking, and that's why the Swiss are so good, is that they're very patient, they're never in a hurry. Uh, yeah, it must be frustrating with the amount of stories that you have to convey and you have to tell with uh, with with the amount of heritage that the brand has and uh, the the how active the brand has been in the field of space conquest, exploration, uh, military, um, aviation, navy. So then the rest of the collection become everything becomes to attribute to a different milestone for the brand in different um, in different uh, scenarios. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, Rakete made watches for every. One. It was basically the watch of the people. So we made watches for cosmonauts, for submariners, for polar explorers, for the army, for the for the basically for everyone. And the difficulty is uh, every we had to choose which stories we wanted to keep because obviously you can't continue to do watches for everyone. It's too much. We have to focus. And everyone asks, you know, you, uh, Rakete is specialized in what? You know, everyone knows that Breitling does watches for pilots and. Uh, uh, Panerai does watches for um, divers. And I always say, you know, Rakete does, did watches for everyone. So we had to choose which models to re-edit. And um, so we, we do today watches for cosmonauts, for submariners, polar explorers, uh, pilots. We have the classic collection, which is the Big Zero. And we have the third collection, which is basically, we call it the Curiosity Collection. It's very strange and bizarre watches that go counterclockwise, mm -hmm. that have you know, triangular and uh, round hands instead of straight hands. Um, it's bizarre. Yeah, because curiosity is the seed for uh, creativity, isn't it, yeah. in the end? And, and the Russians yeah. always are known to do things differently from the rest of the world. So it kind of corresponds also to the Russian philosophy and the Russian mindset. Right, let's move on to another watch. You've obviously spoke about cosmonauts and things there. So the Copernic, give us a bit of a background, perhaps on the original and then this new modernized version that I've got in front of me today. The Copernic is, is also one of the, the iconic uh, Raketa watches, which many, many collectors around, collectors around the world are collecting. Uh, it's a watch which has, uh, I mean, basically in the DNA of Rakete, you have space. Space is very, very important because the brand was founded in honor of Gagarin's flight in space. And <clears throat> Copernic, you know, everyone knows that uh, is a scientist of the 16th century who proved that um, the Earth turns around the sun and not the sun around the Earth as everyone thought until, at, until that century. So the designers of Rakete in the 70s imagined the design where you have um, uh, the hands in which are circles that turn around the dial, the dial representing the sun. So you have these planets turning around the sun. So, and uh, it's, it's a very interesting design um, uh, linked to space, to the organization of our solar system. So it's, it's a very, very nice watch. And since we're talking about it, David, can we clarify uh, who brought the first watch into space and which watch that was and uh, how far before the um, exploration of the moon that happened as well. Just, just you know, just to unveil a, a bit of a big fact that is uh, still very underground. Yeah. So um, the very first watch to have been in space is a Pobieda watch. Uh, Pobieda is the second brand we have, um, which we started producing in 1945. And 
um, before Gagarin went to space, the, the Soviets sent um, dogs into space. And in March 1961, they sent a dog. And one of the engineers, just before shutting the, the capsule, he took off his Paviada watch and he strapped it to the jacket of the dog. And, and thank God the dog survived and came back down to Earth. And uh, they opened the, the, the capsule and they found this, this watch strapped to um, the dog's jacket. And um, that watch was not supposed to be there. Because, you know, in the Soviet Union, everything was very official and you, you, there was an inventory of all the things in the, cap, in, in the capsule. And the KGB... The protocol, and, protocol yeah, is a big word. And the KGB opened an investigation and they discovered the engineer. <laughs> he, he was nearly sent to Siberia. So the very first watch to have been in space is a Pabiada watch. Wow. Th that was two months before Gagarin's flight into space. And I discovered that literally three years ago, just by pure chance. Yeah. And that's what I like. You know, things you can discover when you when you dig seriously into facts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like Raketa's tons of uh, tons of this to, yeah. uh, to share. Right. So bring us up to speed on the new one then, the one that I've got, because it's completely different, but it shares the same heritage and DNA. It's obviously got the ring, it's got the planet, and it's got the space kind of background, but it's got a PVD case. You don't, you guys don't really do clear case backs. You do almost portholes where you can see through, and then the rotor itself has got a shape cut out, so you can see through the rotor if it happens to be in front of the window, so you can see through to the actual balance. So what's the story with this? Why did you decide to go this way versus the original? Um, well, the original was, at uh, the glass was in plastic. It was a manual movement. Um, and obviously we, we wanted to do watches which were in line with Swiss quality standards. So we use sapphire glass. Uh, they have to be water resistant and uh, they have an automatic movement. So obviously the, the case is bigger and we had to rework a bit the design to make it a, a bit... Um, I mean, the old design was was brilliant, uh, but I also like the new design. The new design is very original. It's very much based and inspired by the old design. And um, one day I, I was working in a factory and one of the very old specialists came up to me and said, hey, David, did you, did you know what planets do two hands represent? And I said, no, it's just symbolic. You know, it's, it just symbolizes any planet. And he said, no, 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 you're mistaken. Uh, the, the, um, the big planet represents the Earth, so mm -hmm. the big planet is the minute hand, and the, the small planet, which is a small circle, is the hour hand, represents Jupiter. And I said, why, why is that? And he said, because the Earth orbits around the sun in one year, and uh, Jupiter orbits around the sun in 12 years, which I didn't know. I don't know. And, you have, wow. and you have exactly the same um, difference of speed between the hour hand and the minute hand. The minute hand does one turn of the dial in one hour, and the hour hand in 12 hours. So, mm. so that's an interesting story, and I love that watch just for that. And this is the kind of cool storytelling that you can say when you wear this watch at the dinner party, and you, you know you have you can have a long conversation about about this watch. Well, that's the unfortunate part of the whole lockdown. We've not had an opportunity to be outside even or to go places yeah. with our watches. But see, when things things are getting better, you know, touch wood, they keep continuing that way. I'm looking forward to going to watch meetups or just going out and about because 
this is going to be a talking piece, this one that I've got here. Every time I put photos of it on Instagram, we get such a big reaction that, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a firm favourite on the wrist moving forward. Absolutely. Um, this is actually a limited edition, the one that I've got. It's one of 50 pieces. Why did you guys decide to do a limited run of this one? I, I don't know, but, that, you know, that's the kind of mistakes that we did, then we, that, that we still do just because we have so little experience in, in watchmaking. We decided to do a 50-piece limited edition. Uh, we should have done more. Uh, it's nearly finished. Uh, we nearly sold all of them. Um, today, all of our limited editions are 300, just because we're celebrating the 300th anniversary of the, fact the factory. We did, you know, basically we did a lot of mistakes in 10 years. You know, you can do the list of every single mistake you can do in watchmaking. We did them because we learned from scratch. Uh, but that's also the interesting thing about, uh, uh, I mean, I, I love what I do. It's It's just so interesting. I would never go back, even... I mean, it's terribly, it was very complicated, but still, it's, um, it's incredible that we still exist. Um, it's incredible that we kind of contributed to saving the Russian watchmaking industry. I mean, it's, it's not just only us, but you have to imagine that the Soviet watch industry was, was massive, and then it totally collapsed. And now we have just a few players like Jaikin, us, and a few others. But it's, it's just it's tiny compared to what it was and we're kind of rebuilding it from from scratch. Yeah, well, it's, the Swiss had the quartz crisis, and you guys had uh, probably a harder crisis to deal with and come back from. Yeah, but yeah. also the, the some of the the most collectible watches are mistakes. <laughs> if you think about, I don't know, the Hulk Big Four to give an example. So we represent over thirty brands, and uh, you know, making mistakes is part of embracing the challenge of trying to be to be different and propose yeah. something that is slightly out of the ordinary. Yeah, totally. And this being one of fifty pieces, that's better sounding to me than one of three hundred pieces or one of seven thousand pieces. If you go to other places that do lots of limited editions, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. And moving on because time is getting away from us next watch is probably the one that runs in reverse that's the one that caught my eye when Pietro sent it up so tell us the story with that and first of all what's the name of it it's called the Russian Code and it goes uh, counterclockwise um, this is um, this is one of the complications that the factory had it's in, in the drawers and which we decided and they never had the time to finish it because the Soviet Union collapsed and they kind of forgot about it and we asked them, can you finish it? And they said, yeah, of course. It took them one year to finish it because it's actually quite complicated to reverse the time of the, um, of the, um, of the movement of the hands because to do that, we've had to change the, the construction of the barrel spring and we've had to change the construction of the escapement. So you just put it on the upside down, no? Nope. No, 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 no. It's much more complicated than that. Don't ask okay. me exactly how they did it, but it's very, very complicated. And um, you cannot do that unless you produce your own mechanical movement. You can't just buy mechanical movements and change the barrel spring, change the construction of the escapement. It's just, you can't do that. And the story behind that watch is, once again, space, the cosmos, are part of the DNA for Raketa. And um, I don't know, you may know and may not know, but all the planets rotate around the sun counterclockwise. And you can check that on Wikipedia. All the planets rotate around the sun counterclockwise. And even the moon rotates around the earth counterclockwise. So it just so happens that the most natural uh, movement in the solar system is the counterclockwise movement. And so basically we decided to relaunch this, this complication, to, to, to finish this complication and to launch a counterclockwise watch to have a watch that shows 
time in harmony with the movement in our solar system. So that's a really cool storytelling. So this wasn't even a watch that was on the drawing board before. This is one that you created from yeah. half a design. Uh, half a design of uh, the, the complication. But they never they never had the time to finish the complication. Uh, yeah. Amazing. And yeah, and the the uh, the underlying question is why did someone decide to have the hands go, you know, uh, vodka counter counterclockwise, you know, <laughs> vodka. <laughs> and uh, it took me a lot of time to find an answer. And I don't know. Do you, do you guys know why hands go as they do on um, clockwise? No. Okay. So it took me a lot of time, but basically the answer is apparently the following: when when wristwatches didn't exist, uh, we read the time with. Um, Sundial? Uh, with sundials, yeah, exactly. So you just basically plant a stick in the ground and you watch how uh, the sun goes from left to right and the shade from right to left. So basically when we invented dials, we just replicated the movements that we saw in um, in nature. You know, the sun that goes from left to right. and uh, Makes sense. Yeah, but that's uh, that's an illusion, right? The sun doesn't go from left to right. The sun doesn't move at all. It We move around the sun. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So we're at yeah. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a mirror image of the reality. Exactly. Exactly. So basically, uh, so this watch is is a really cool watch. Uh, it takes you two days to 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 get used to it. So for two days, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a headache, and you, <laughs> you 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 miss if you take a if 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 you're planning to uh, to take a flight, don't buy this watch. Don't wear this watch for two days. Otherwise, you'll miss it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 once you get once you get the hang of it, it's it's a brilliant watch. This is if we assume that mechanical watches are still tools to read the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I I wear a watch every day, and I, I I it's so much more comfortable reading the time on the wrist so quickly. It's very quick, very easy. Then to take out the telephone, switch it on. I found. It took a little while once I started wearing watches again a few years back to stop taking the phone out to check the time. And it was only when my brain figured out that I'm an idiot having to spend 10 seconds rummaging around, pulling it out, pressing the button versus just flicking the wrist around and having a quick check. But yeah, got that fixed. Pietro, what other watches should we talk about here? There's so many. There is. I have um, a question to uh, to David because it was um, uh, it was mentioning how then the pressure of uh, getting to the standards of the Swiss watchmakers, although the value they were offering was uh, nearly unbeatable, he now is manufacturing you know manufacturing all the components, including rubies, hairsprings. But you took it to the point of inventing your own decorative patterns as well. So you have instead of Cote de Genève, you have your Russian uh, coats. If we can call them like that, like the Neva, uh, the Neva pattern and the Onega pattern as well, uh, and you are more and more opening the case back of uh, more and more models as well in the collection. So is that out of the pressure from Swiss watchmaking and the other, you know, international high-end watchmakers, or is it because now, now that you have an integrated manufacturer, you're having fun and and uh, you know checking, testing your limits in terms of also finishing, decorating, and all of that. So we've only started decorating our movements literally four years ago. Uh, until until that time, we didn't decorate the movements, and the Soviets t- and the Soviets didn't decorate the movements at all. Uh, um, the, the reason we started doing it basically there are two reasons. First of all, we produce our own mechanical movements, so we're super proud of our movements, so we want to show them. Uh, so most of our watches have an open case back, most of them, and we quickly understood also that uh, people um, uh, basically. The first impression they get of the movement is not how well it runs, but uh, how beautiful it is. 
That's the very first impression that you have by look, uh, just by looking at the watch. So we quickly understood that we had to make the movement as beautiful as possible. Um, and we didn't want to copy the, the Swiss decorations because the Swiss are much better than we are with their decorations. So we decided to do our own decorations. So Pietro is absolutely right. We created our own decorations. And one of the things we do, we print on the movement. We print on the bridges and we print on, on the rotor. And I'm always surprised how few Swiss brands do that. So half of our watches have prints um, and it's basically very nice images with many different colors on the movement itself. It's very complicated to do, but it's doable. And very few Swiss brands do that. And I, I would be very curious to know why. So Pietro, what other watches should we quickly discuss before we finish up? We we talked about the open case back, fully open case back. And uh, one of the lines I really, I really love is the artistic line because it's a bit of a metaphor of that idea of uh, breaking the rules and thinking out of the box is that the marble so, one yeah the malevich limited edition that they've just uh, they've just uh, launched has a fully open case back with a decorated movement that is very very uh, very strong yeah so um but that's a very cool watch um it's difficult to read the time but we did that on purpose because it's based on the most abstract avant-garde painting in the world which is the black square of malevich and so we didn't want to do classic watch using classic design. Uh, we did a very abstract watch. So it's black hands on the black square dial. It's a very beautiful watch. And you can, it was, it's a beautiful on the wrist, absolutely beautiful. And I didn't know how it would sell. Basically, there's a huge demand around that watch to the point that um, there's a waiting list now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got a black Casio that's got black hands and a black dial, and I love it. So obviously... There are people out there that like that kind of thing. Uh, that is another one of the watches that we have got in a video that will be coming out shortly if it's not already out by the time this podcast hits your eardrums. But there's just there were so many of them. I mean, it was literally a box of Raketa watches that turned up and me and Pietro were on a, a quick timeline because he sends up almost a security entourage with watches when they come here to the studio to get filmed and we have a ticking time clock that goes from whenever they arrive to when the guy has to pick them back up again mm. and, and I got carried away the, the last time as well oh, probably. <laughs> the problem is trying to condense down chatting about not just one watch in a video but maybe two or three watches and instead of talking for 45 minutes we need to crush that down to the 15 10 minute 15 minute mark because that's what YouTube likes and that's if somebody's in the toilet with their phone in their hand watching a video when they're supposed to be working that's the amount of time they've got to play with Pietro what other watches should we quickly chat about then today funnily enough today which we know we're going to disclose the date of course because we don't know when this will go out but we sold uh, uh, the another Leopard 24 Submariner which is uh, probably one of your best sellers at the moment no 300 pieces limited edition came out in December it's, uh, it's a watch with a 24-hour movement for submariners because obviously submariners, they can't read the time. I mean, when they read the time, uh, they don't know if it's, they can't distinguish, distinguish day from night because they can't look through the window, obviously. So they need a 24-hour watch. So Raquette is famous for doing 24-hour movements. That's so good yeah. to explain It this, also yeah. takes a bit of time to get the hang of it, but um, then it's easy. And the Submariner watch is a really cool watch because it's made from a piece of metal of a Nikola-class Russian submarine that is currently undergoing modernization. And we did that together with the first commander of the submarine. So the submarine was launched in the 80s. And the first commander lives in St. Petersburg, right next to our manufacturer. So he helped us to design the watch and he took part in the production of the watch. So that's a very beautiful 24-hour watch. 
made from a piece of metal of that submarine. And it's got a unique complication as well, Ricky. It tells the submariner crew uh, about their shifts and uh, the indication of the shifts is integrated within the dial itself in a very oh. subtle way. Yeah, very cool. And, yeah, and it's a beautiful submarine. It's, it's one of the, um, yeah, it's a very nice submarine. So next one, um, I think we all, uh, we, we, we need to spend a, a word on the Polar 50th anniversary, which was uh, last year, uh, anniversary of a legendary expedition, because obviously Russia has always been in the forefront of, um, of uh, exploration in general. And the Antarctic exploration was one of the uh, iconic ones that happened in the 70s. So you have decided to relaunch a specific piece for this anniversary, David. Yeah, exactly. It's a watch. It's a, it's a watch with very cool design, uh, very uh, difficult case construction that was produced uh, um, as a limited edition in 1970 for Soviet polar explorers. It was never available to the, you know, to the comrades, uh, to the public. So it's become a very iconic watch that, that is still collected all over the world. And we did a re-edition of that watch because we found the original technical drawings, we found the original uh, watercolor design, and based on, on all of this information, we relaunched exactly that model. So it's a manual watch. Um, it's the smallest one, no? Yeah, With it's 36 yeah, millimeters. Exactly, exactly. It's a very nice watch, very retro watch. Um, I love it. And, um, and especially for that limited edition, we relaunched the movement. It's a manual movement, which otherwise we don't produce anymore. So before we run out of time, because it has been a very, very quick hour, as always happens when we've got a great guest on and it's a full house here. In the box, when I got my Raketa, there was a card that said, you are invited to go on a factory tour to see how this watch was put together. And I spoke to you, Pietro, about this. And what's the story? This is for everybody that buys a Raketa watch. They get the opportunity to actually go and see this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was very surprised when I started Raketa, when um, I discovered how difficult it is to visit Swiss manufacturers. Basically, if I want to visit Rolex, I cannot visit Rolex. Apparently, very few people have ever visited Rolex. And the same for many other manufacturers in, in Switzerland. Mm. And I thought that's so strange because, you know, when you have a manufacturer, you want to show it because it's so interesting. Interesting. And so basically, uh, when you can come and visit our manufacturer and we show everything, you will even see how we make the hairspring, uh, the most difficult operations. And we have Swiss specialists coming over to visit, to visit us and they, see, and they tell us that we saw things, we saw operations uh, that we never saw in Switzerland. And, um, and I'm always surprised because it's so interesting. You want to, and, it's, and watchmaking is a passion, so you want to share your passion. There's no reason why, why you should hide that from, from the public. So that's the reason why we want to invite everyone. St. Petersburg is a beautiful, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It's very close to, um, it's just three and a half hours from, from England by plane. Um, and it's very easy to come and spend the weekends to visit the most, one of this beautiful city and to visit also the, the manufacturer. Can we check if uh, Floatlight got his inv invite as well when he, oh, when I he did. got his raketa? Oh, you I did. did. Okay, good. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone's invited. That is, yeah, that, that is, imagine if we were able to do it all together. Can you well, imagine that? let's see what we can organize. We'll yeah. get our <laughs> flu shots and head over. We'll organize that. And, and also, you'll be very surprised to see that we produce watches like the Swiss did 50 years ago. Uh, in Switzerland, you know, they, it's much, they use CNC machines. Uh, we've kept a very old, um, old school production and, um, and a lot of Swiss people who come and visit us say, you know, please don't change that because this is 
you, you still have this human touch that we kind of lost with all of our robot machines. Yeah. Can we can we make can we draw a comparison, David, at all with the eight million watches a year that Raketa was, I guess, forced to produce when the Soviet Union was a closed uh, closed market, so they had to sustain the need of the country for for you know for watch uh, keeping for timekeeping. Sorry. Um, so to what Raketa is today? To, today you're a niche watchmaker focusing on in-house and creativity, of course. And how many pieces would you say you produce roughly in a year, if you can? So today we, like in 2020, we produced approximately 4,000 pieces, yeah, which is very small compared to Rolex, for example, but. Um, um, it's more than it was a year ago. And we think we have a big potential because we have, I mean, basically it's a very niche product, very authentic product. Um, and what people like in Raketa is that it's in-house manufactured. Uh, every watch has a very strong story to tell. And um, we try to do um, very nice and beautiful watches that are that tell a very interesting story that is linked to... Um, uh, to our history. For example, I always say that we would never do watch for golfers, for, for golf, for example, in connection with golf, because golf is not a Russian sport. We only do watches that are linked to Russian achievements like space, submariners, Russian avant-garde art, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. And 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 Russia is, is a country that um, has a lot of achievements in many, many different fields. So we have, and we have a lot of very old uh, iconic uh, designs. So basically, the, 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 there are so many watches that we can, interesting watches that we can produce. You need to make a Tetris watch. A Tetris the watch. world's most famous computer game. Yes. Is that Russian? Yep. Is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Huh. yep. Uh, you need to look into the history of that. That's an interesting story. Uh, basically, again, before things got better with the Soviet Union, yeah. Alexei, can't remember his surname, um, he created this game, but he never saw any of the proceeds from it because the country took the money and there was a big, massive story and a problem with licensing it to Nintendo and Spectrum Holobyte and all these different companies. But that became the game that made the Game Boy successful for Nintendo in 1989 ah. forwards. Great yep. story. I did not do that. So you definitely need to make a Tetris watch. Yeah. Maybe we could do a special Scottish Watches limited edition. Who knows what the future yeah, may Yeah, thanks for the tip. Yes. Uh, so there we go. That's been brilliant. That's a fantastic chat. Great history. It's good to know that the company, it never ceased. It never stopped. You never just picked up the name. You guys are still working with these master watchmakers that have been there for decades. And you've kept that history and the heritage continuing right the way through to modern day and bringing out stuff. I mean, bringing out a watch that wasn't even created before was just half a drawing finishing it and bringing it to fruition and out to the public that is just a fantastic story and russian watchmaking thanks to pietro for showing us things and i'm just looking forward to coming across to russia and dave if you're up for it oh yes we can bunk together we can find a ymca or something like that and head over indeed indeed and i think i think you know <laughs> just to, to to kind of add to what you're saying i think you know as as well as you know kind of taking in the, the heritage of the company and moving forward with it you know having a watchmaking skill also contributing to the kind of future of russian watchmaking by training kind of you know new watchmakers and keeping that skill set in-house within russia and not having to you know ship them out to switzerland or elsewhere to be trained so i think you know it's it's impressive that a company's taken responsibility for you know kind of training 
defining the future of the industry, uh, which will allow it to kind of hopefully flourish as well. And hopefully over time we'll see, you know, Switzerland being a powerhouse in watches along with Japan, but also Russia kind of, you know, hopefully following up behind with some real innovation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, life would be so, would be much, would be very boring if we just had, you know, Swiss watches. So it's very good that you have watches in England, in Russia, in Japan. Very, very much so. You know, you know, if it wasn't for the the Japanese, we wouldn't have spring drive and these kind of technologies, which are you know unique and different. And if it wasn't, you know, for the, you know some of the stuff coming out of Russia now, you know, Jai kind of, to be fair, has, has has taken forward a lot of kind of innovative ideas that you know probably would never have come out of Switzerland. It just wouldn't have come out of Switzerland or Japan for that matter. Russia has allowed that to come out. Time for us to finish up this episode, and thank you very much, both Pietro. And David for Thank coming you. on. Uh, obviously, Dave, I don't yep. have to say thanks to you because you're just oh. here like a bad smell, can't get rid of you. Exactly. But uh, if you want to tell the good folks where they can find out more about Raketa. So uh, at the limited edition, you can find all of the collection of Raketa watches. Pietro does a fantastic job uh, in promoting and distributing Raketa watches. There you go. Perfect. So thank you guys for coming on the show and we will catch you again soon. Thank you very much. Спасибо большое. Спасибо. Спасибо.